Hello and welcome to Money Roundup. I'm your host, Mayor Morrison. Today we will take a look at the Australian and New Zealand economy and the effects the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup had on it. Leaders met in Africa for a three-day climate summit where they discussed how they will be go about fighting the climate change. We also will be talking about Chris Brown and his bizarre weekend concert in Jamaica. All of this coming up on Money Roundup. The FIFA Women World Cup was held in July to August 2023 in Australia and New Zealand that saw a thrilling final match between England and Spain of which was decided by the only goal scored from Spaniard Olga Carmona in the first half, but the entire tournament was actually brought life and a newfound popularity in a sport that was not considered the first choice as a recreational option by locals. The World Cup would not happen if it was not for CEO of Football Australia, James Johnson, who made the initial request and has also been a great advocate for football amongst young boys and girls alike. Johnson also during the negotiation stages ensured that they partnered with Priceline and Cadbury and also wanted the World Cup games to be broadcast to as much as possible to a very large audience. He stated that what he did was change the broadcaster and went for a free-to-air approach and once that was done he went and got partners that could not only make the broader reach possible but also do a storytelling that would have the games more personal to the Australian audiences. Johnson also negotiated a deal with Disney Plus entitled Matilda's The World at Our Feet which is a six-part docuseries that carried a more personalized feel into the Australian living rooms of the women players of the sport. With that being said, the Australia-France game had close to 5 million viewers and the Australia-England game had over 11 million viewers, making it the highest ever in the sport history in the country. The Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, Richard Miles, is very happy with the result and outcome of the Women's World Cup. In a recent interview with a local TV channel, he stated that the country had invested $84 million into the Women's World Cup and $40 million of that was placed into grassroots for girls to take up the sport. The Football World Cup has brought in an estimated $7.66 billion into the country at a time where they are struggling from the recovery of the COVID-19 pandemic. New Zealand, on the other hand, has expected approximately $200 million brought in through the World Cup and an additional 30,000 tourists into the country on top of what they would have been expecting without the World Cup. The GDP 
growth was then revived to state that it would be 0.1% growth, which they are very happy with. Australia and New Zealand have been one of the first countries to close their borders to the outside world when the COVID-19 virus was declared a worldwide pandemic and one of the slowest countries to open when the pandemic started slowing down. Data from the official FIFA website stated that one in every five ticket holders was a tourist. Research has suggested that there was 4.5 billion inflow of tourist dollars in the hotel and retailer segment of the economy for Australia and New Zealand. Air New Zealand had also increased their seating by adding 6,000 more seats on flights to cities that were hosting matches due to the increased demand. Wellington and Auckland in New Zealand were offering free transportation for persons with a match day ticket in their hands. Reports suggested that a few patrons would go to the match and then capitalize on the free transportation for the day and sightsee the city afterwards. Local bars and pubs, particularly popular during cricket and rugby times, saw an increase in tourism as well. And one local pub, Chow Tory in Wellington, has also created 10 different drinks for different nations participating in the World Cup. Some of these included a whiskey-based drink for the United States, a colada for Costa Rica, sangria for Spain, an apple pie spritz for Netherlands, a Swedish punch with a Scandinavian liquor, a South African drink entitled Old Fashioned and it composed of brandy from South Africa and an Italy versus Japan Negroni as reported from CNN. Though Japan and Italy did not compete against each other, the company stated that the Campari, Sushi Rice and other additions would have been a perfect blend to tie the ingredients together. As such, the Women's World Cup has brought a positive light and revival to a once struggling country. It has brought back new fund interest and attraction, not only in the sport of football and more so women's football, but also in tourism for the two countries, Australia and New Zealand. Now, leaders met in Nairobi, Kenya for the first of its kind African Climate Summit, a three-day climate change summit that ended September 8, 2023, where African leaders met ahead of the annual United Nations Climate Change Conference, more popularly known as COP28, which is scheduled for later this year. The basis of the meeting was for African leaders to bring forth a global tax regime at COP28. A document released stated that African nations are demanding that wealthier countries do more to assist developing the less fortunate nations in their fight against climate change. The summit comprised mainly on discussions of how to gather finance with the increase in extreme weather temperatures, such as the heat waves and consistent rains being experienced in recent times. 
to protect natural resources and also improve renewable energy. Africa is one of the most vulnerable regions when it comes down to climate change and research has suggested that they receive approximately 12% of the US $300 billion in annual fighting that was pledged. The Nairobi Declaration has suggested that a proposal for a global carbon taxation regime, including a carbon tax on fossil fuel trade, maritime transport, and aviation. Such measures would ensure greater and better financing for climate-related investments and protect tax rises and from geopolitical and domestic political issues. According to the International Monetary Fund, approximately 24 countries impose tax on carbon, but it has not received much traction. Kenyan President William Ruto has, however, referenced proposals on the European Union of a Financial Transaction Tax, FTT, as a proposal model. What currently takes place is a carbon tax, which allows for the user to emit a certain amount of carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gas as long as they fund green activities. An example would be that a large corporation will invest in the development and resources on the African continent, and because of this, they are able to continue operating at their current ways that continue to affect our environment. This is the method used by some polluters who would effectively plant a tree in order to continue emissions of high levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. These trees would then be planted across Africa as it is much cheaper there than other regions as regulations are less stringent in Africa. Some activists say this is a scam that just allows for the bigger cooperation to emit more carbon gases into the atmosphere. Research has suggested that the African continent earns less than 10 euros per ton of carbon, while other regions will receive over 100 euros for the same amount. One carbon credit really is just one ton of carbon dioxide or another greenhouse gas exhibited that is removed from the atmosphere. The commitment at the end of the summit was as declared by Kenyan President William Ruto that international governments, development banks, and private investors and philanthropists alike committed 23 billion US dollars for greenhouse change plus additional hundreds of millions of dollars to a major climate market initiative. Lastly, Fans of one of R&B's most successful singer, performer, and dancer were treated to a show in Jamaica back in August 2023. I'm talking about no other than Chris Brown, who had his headline show set in Jamaica, Chris Brown and Friends, as a part of the bizarre weekend that took place between Jamaica and Miami. Ticket prices for the event started at 45 US dollars for the early bird bleachers and went as high as 10,000 US dollars for the Skyview suite. 
which was quickly sold out. When the ticket prices were initially announced, it was met with mixed reaction as some persons within Jamaica had stated that it was just too much to charge for one ticket VIP lounge. However, it should be noted that with the increased prices in ticket lounges, it was actually a series of events that would be included over the weekend, which would have ultimately led up to the party or the concert that would have been performed by Chris Brown and his friends. It should be noted that one person had capitalized off of this 10,000 US dollars or 1.5 million Jamaican dollars price tag for the VIP suite. And that is Denise Forbes, CEO of eLoan Microfinancing Limited, who actually had offered a loan tailored for Jamaicans who were inclined to participate in the event and would be able to make the repayments over a four-year period. When asked in a recent interview if she thinks the loan was really a good thing from a logical point of view, Forbes responded by stating that she responds to problems and it is for consumers. Funds are lent to persons with a financial appetite, whether for leisure or pleasure, as declared by Forbes. Regardless, patrons were in for a treat as the last time that Chris Brown had performed on the island was about 10 years ago. He stated during his set that he will be back soon. That's all that we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I do hope to catch you in the next episode. Just before you go, do feel free to give us a follow and stay up to date and leave any comments you have below or email us at moneyroundup876 at gmail.com.